Guys, welcome to the Relaxed Running Podcast. I'm your host, Tyson Popplestone. This podcast, our YouTube channel, and our website all focus on the goal of accessing the minds of some of the best athletes, coaches, and those in and around the world of distance running with the intention of helping you transform the way you run. My goal as a running coach is to provide you with the best information available on the subject of distance running. If you enjoy this podcast and could benefit from more guidance in your own running, I've got a number of ways that we can help you from personal running coaching, training programs, technique analysis, and pre-season running programs for athletes in running-based sports. At the end of the episode, I'll explain more about how they help specifically. If you wanna have a look right now, you can jump across to relaxrunning.com slash get started. But for now, here's today's episode. The early bird price for the Noosa Run Camp 2024 is now open. It's open. You can get access to that until April the 1st. The Noosa Camp is a a camp that we're running, obviously, here in Noosa or in Noosa in Australia, Thursday, July the 11th to Monday, July the 15th. It's going to be an absolute blast. It's the second camp we've ever run after the Falls Creek Camp last year. Not only was I pumped about how well the Falls Creek Camp went, but I also realized there was an opportunity to get out of a Melbourne winter and go and run on some beautiful trails up there in Noosa. So if you're either up there or you're keen to make a move up there because you're in Victoria and it's going to be cold at that time of the year, lock in that early bird price. As I said, available until April the 1st. The beauty with the early bird, it just gives us an opportunity to give the people we're booked in with a bit of an idea as to how many people we're going to be taken with us. So make sure you jump across to relaxrunning.com, hit camps, you can sign up there. Today I wanted to speak to you about something that's been on my mind for a little while now. I believe for not only myself, but for old guess above 90% of athletes that I've been able to run with, uh, been able to be around in the 20 plus years that I've been involved in the sport is th- this is perhaps the most overlooked element of endurance performance. And I think there's a few reasons for that, which we'll get into. But it's this idea of, I'll just jump into it. It's this idea of intensity trumping consistency. A lot of people are confused when I say that. They say, Tyson, it makes no sense because both of those things are an important part of a running training schedule. And absolutely that is true. You must have intensity if you're going to be able to train effectively for the event that you're running in. But perhaps the most overlooked element is this idea of consistency over time and its ability to transform your running performance. Now, this is perhaps if you've been listening to the last eight episodes of the podcast, perhaps not that much of a surprise to you. I mean, we had the great man, Phil Maffetone, the creator of the Maffetone Method, which has impacted literally hundreds of thousands of athletes Since its inception, Phil Maffetone is the OG in low heart rate training, despite the fact that, uh, you know, like any kind of running formula, there's going to be controversy. Some people are all over the Maffetone method. Other people have a a few issues with it. I've heard both the highs and the lows since I've had him on here. A lot of you have messaged in saying why you love it, why you don't love it. Um, I really enjoy the comments, so keep those coming through. It's been really interesting just to hear so many of your takes on this. But more than just Phil Maffetone, I mean, Owen Everett, who I had on here a few months ago, spoke to me about his belief in the importance of low heart rate training, or at least monitoring your heart rate as you are training. But 
my real entry into this conversation came because as a lot of you know who are already subscribed to the Relax Running YouTube channel is I spend a lot of time on there not only posting these podcasts but also posting um, what I aim to be really helpful information around ways to improve your own running performance. One of the interesting things that you pay attention to when you spend a lot of time on YouTube is is what's trending. What's popular? What are people speaking about? What videos are capturing people's attentions? And I would say for the last 12 months, one of the one of the major trending themes in the world of distance running has been this idea of low heart rate training. Now it was really interesting. Phil Maffetone said, yeah, he's uh, since he started writing about this in the late 70s and early 80s, he's seen a lot of athletes go through these. Like, you know how Crocs are trendy again? I think I said this on the podcast. Those horrific shoes that every cultural influencer is now wearing because they're back. (laughs) Well, I think we're in a phase where uh, low heart rate training is back in. And now I say that I actually feel bad to even compare it to Crocs because I don't think Crocs were uh, ever really cool, whereas low heart rate training at least has had its moments. And As a result of delving into this world a little bit and researching and reading, I've had to be pretty honest with myself about my own training and my approach to training. Even up until 18 months ago, maybe even 12 months ago, I'd made a realization that my approach to training, I don't think was the most effective approach. And there's a variety of reasons for that, and I want to talk about it. But more than just me being a culprit, more than me me having been sucked into this idea of my form of training being more effective just because I'd been doing it for a long time. I think so many of us, so many of you are probably making the same mistake. So I wanted to just rehash this idea. I wanted to spell out, I wanted to just speak to you for 10 minutes today. It's going to be a relatively short episode about some of the things that I've learned, about some of the things that I believe are really beneficial, not only to me, but also to you. And I've also got a couple of things that I think serve as evidence to the fact that this is a really important way to approach training. But a little bit of history. Uh, When I first got involved in distance running, I had success relatively early. I was 13. Um, I was always okay at distance running in the team sports that I was doing. We'd have time trials and I was near the front roundabout, never necessarily dominating. But then in the world of football, which I was playing here until 2001, I was in Western Australia, that was my first love, and I was really focused on doing well, well there. But at around that age, age 14, was when a lot of the other players started to have growth spurts, and all of a sudden, bumps and tackles started to hurt a whole heap more. So I thought, hey, Tice, why not focus on the element that you're actually pretty good at, which is the running away from the bumps, and just leave the bumps to the bigger boys? And that's exactly what I did. So from about the age of 14, I pretty much ripped the Band-Aid off, left football, and started to focus on this distance running world. From there, I went out, I ran the uh, state championships, the under-14 state champs in Western Australia, which uh, I won in my my first year. That was actually the year 2000. And like any early taste of success, it sort of lit a little bit of a fire in my belly. I got excited about what potential I I might have. And I remember my mum being pumped and my dad being pumped and people being like, Tice, there could be something here. And as a result, I went and got involved in a local coach and at once, uh, sorry, a local group with a local coach. And the coach was awesome. She was an absolute gun. But one thing that I look back now and realize was uh, she was uh, programming us in a way which I think for a 14-year-old kid might be okay. 
but it was very much tailored around an Australian way to training. You might have heard me speak about it before. It was a Tuesday session. We'll do our Tuesday session, which was like longer uh, reps. I think we'd go down to a place called Yokine Reserve, if my memory serves me correctly. Uh, all you Perth listeners, feel free to correct me if that's an athletics track and I've just stuffed it up. <laughs> Let me know. Uh, Thursday, we'd go down to like a grass athletics track um, at the back of some tennis courts where we'd go out and do some faster reps. I would be down there with uh, gun marathon runner of the day, Ray Boyd, uh, Raf Bohr, and a whole, hup, uh, a whole heap of other just movers and shakers back in uh, the early 2000s. Then on Saturday, we'd go out and do a hard session as well. Then Sunday was a longer run. Monday was a slower, so-called slower run. Wednesday was that middle distance long run. Friday was the same kind of thing. But what was really interesting was it didn't matter whether it was Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, (laughs) all the way through to Saturday. My 14-year-old brain said, okay, it's time to run. And running fast is better than running slow because that's what we're training to do. And so with that said, I'm going to go out and run as fast as I can, as often as I can. With the exception of when I was feeling sick, when I was feeling overly tired, though even sometimes when I was tired, I'd go out and still try and smash myself. And then wonder why it was that after a certain amount of time, little plateaus, little niggles started to kick in. Now I say that, and the truth is at the age of 14, there was very few plateaus, there was very few niggles. But as I started to get a little bit older, the plateau factor was the main one. And I think a big part of that was because with the exception of a few groups, I would say that nearly every single running group here in Australia still has that same approach to training. It's the Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday hard, other days so-called long or relatively easy unless you feel good and you want to go faster. And I say all that to say, here's where it got really interesting for me. I moved away from competitive running in 2014 to to have one last ditch attempt at going back to the world of AFL. And as a result, I played footy for a year or two, uh, was still doing some relatively high intensity running. And then after footy, I was jogging, I was going to the gym, I was keeping fit, but I, I wasn't fit in the sense of what you need to be to run a really fast 5K, 10K or marathon. So as a lot of you who were listening here last year as I was trying to get prepared for the Melbourne Marathon might know is that when I started to introduce intensity back into my training, my knowledge, my foundation, my understanding of, of running was all built around this idea of the structure that I'd always used and that had been relatively generous to me. Truth was, and the reason I hadn't really looked too far outside of this was because when I was running competitively and I built up to this level of training, My body was handling the intensity, the volume that I was throwing at it. But what I think I wasn't aware of at the time was I was shortchanging myself because despite the fact I was doing the volume, despite the fact I was doing the intensity, I don't think I was giving myself a proper opportunity to focus on the recovery. And this is what I wanted to speak about today. This is what I believe is the biggest strength of low heart rate training. And I want to tell you about why. So low heart rate training, for for those of you who are unaware, is essentially, there's a few different fields, there's a few different groups, there's a few different ways of looking at it. But essentially, you've got a heart rate zone from one to five, if you wanted to look at the bare basics. Uh, the, The level one is next to nothing. That's like you're walking, it's super comfortable, super relaxed. And then the zone two is like a conversational pace of exercise where Yeah, sure, your body's breathing, you're getting some oxygen in, you're moving and shaking, you could hold it for a reasonable amount of time, 
you're having a conversation, it's comfortable. Zone three and four is where it starts to get more intense. That's where your energy is going directly towards the exercise. That's where you're not really sparing too much for conversation. Zone five is pretty much, hey, we're at race pace here. This is the absolute max that we can possibly go. Now, low heart rate training in many fields has a real big focus on this zone two level of running. It's a real aerobic base approach to the training that we're doing. And the reason that I think this is so beneficial for the most part is because low heart rate training, if you've heard of the 80-20 principle, I think that's perhaps the most well-known approach to this style of training, that the low heart rate training focuses on those days that you're not doing a session, you're going out and you're mostly doing easy running. You're going out, you're recovering, you're turning the legs over, you're doing the aerobic work, you're building your aerobic capacity, you're building your aerobic strength, but you're also not smashing your legs on those days to such a degree that when it comes time to do your faster sessions, your harder sessions, your more intense race-like sessions, you're going in with some form of fresh legs. Now, that's a real brief overview, but what I realized last year, especially for a variety of reasons, not just because of the intensity factor, but because of the fitness factor, was that when I was trying to take this approach, my body wasn't conditioned. My body wasn't ready to doing the load, to doing the intensity, to doing the volume that I was throwing at it. Now, I I knew that the approach that I was taking was never something that I would actually program for an athlete that I was coaching because I was rushing it. I was trying to get ready for the Melbourne Marathon. It was a fun little project, both for me physically, but also for the podcast. It was fun to talk about. I love talking about training. Uh, I love the interaction with you guys. Um, I love the comments on Strava. I just love the whole, I love the whole aspect of it. It was just good fun. But as a result, I would go out and my body wasn't adjusting. So constantly I would strain calves. And then as a result of also not having that much education around just dealing with niggles and injuries because I was so lucky throughout my own running career, call it lucky, call it diligent, maybe a combination of the two is more honest. I, I, I didn't really know what to do with that. And so I was caught between this rock and a hard place of like, all right, well, what do I actually do here? Do I go back and try and run? At the end of all of that, I found myself where I'm at right now, uh, about nine weeks into consistent running above 30k. The last six weeks have been very close to or above 50k, which for the last 18 months was just not something that I was able to do. What has blown my mind is that at the moment I'm running four days a week. As I said, 50k or this week was 53k. Sunday is an 18k run, relatively easy. Tuesday is a super, super slow run. Just look at my Strava and you'll see the proof of that. Some weeks it's 5.45 pace, <laughs> some weeks it's six minute pace. I just go out and I, I turn the legs over as slow as they'll possibly go. Then on a Thursday is where I'll go out and I'll I'll ramp things up slightly. So the last few months I've been doing some more uh, tempo style work, started at 20 minutes and I was starting at around four minute K pace, which was sort of that, that high zone three, low zone four when I first started that. The last couple of weeks, I think last Thursday, maybe the the adrenaline got the better of me. I, I uh, was going out and I, I averaged about 3.45 for uh, 30 minutes, which was perhaps only only slightly above where I should have been pushing it, but um, but still, I've got to still be cautious. It's funny saying this as a bloke who's been involved in the sport for as long as I have. Every now and then, the emotions get the better of you and you, are, you run a little harder than you probably should. But 
with such limited intensity throughout my week, what has blown my mind is what people like Phil Maffetone have been saying is true. What people like Gordo Byrne have been saying is true is that your aerobic system has an incredible ability to build a strong base beneath you. And then when you're actually asked to go a little bit quicker and see what your aerobic system can handle, a lot of us, including myself, are shocked as to how far we can run. The beauty with all of this, I think the recovery in between the runs has been great. The balance that I have in between, uh, or sorry, between the, the very easy, slow recovery runs and the slightly more intense Thursday runs complement each other. Uh, not only am I going into those Thursday sessions fresh, I'm giving my, myself the opportunity to be more consistent throughout the week because I'm slowing things down. I wanted to challenge a number of you because distance running has a reputation for attracting a very obsessive group of people, especially when you've put your mind onto improving your performance. You'll often fall into that trap of what I was falling into at the age of 14, where it was like, oh, I feel pretty good today. Don't worry about using it as a recovery run. I'll just post a faster run on Strava or for my own headspace or for my own ego or whatever it's for. And you'll go out and you'll smash it and it might feel good and it might feel fine. It might even feel good for a couple of weeks, but what I think and what I really really believe I've experienced, and I've got the evidence behind me based on, uh, or not behind me, but I, I feel as though there's enough evidence to support it based on people like Phil Maffetone, uh, Gordo Byrne, Joe Frill, is that approaching or arriving at your harder sessions with fresher legs is really beneficial as well. Running has a reputation for rewarding athletes who are incredibly consistent. And so often I say that and you take it as like, all right, I just have to keep doing all the one percenters and trying to make sure I can back up as consistently as I can day after day after day. But what we ignore in that little phrase, in that little philosophy is the idea that, yeah, sure, it does have a reputation for rewarding the most consistent, but how do we become consistent? I believe that one of the best ways for you to become consistent is to back off the intensity. Back it off. A number of athletes that I coach, uh, it's been amazing to watch. A number of athletes that I coach have been saying, Ty, training so much easier with you than what I'd anticipated. I thought I was going to come here and it was going to be hard. Why Are you sure this is working? And then they hang around for six months and they'll, they'll blow a best time out of the water. And that's exciting to me and it's exciting to them. And they go, okay, so the consistency is the key because so many of these athletes aren't necessarily going out and doing more and more sessions. In fact, they're not going out and doing more and more sessions. They're doing more and more running because of the fact they're not missing chunks of time with niggles and sickness and injuries and fatigue and plateaus and things like that. So it's kind of like the tortoise and the hare, isn't it? You feel as though you're not doing as much as what you should right now, but then six months later, you get down the track and realize that the person that you were comparing yourself to is now injured, sick, fatigued, plateaued because they've ignored this element of consistency. So, hey, be honest with yourself. Do a little reflection. What does your training system look like at the moment? Do you have enough balance between recovery and intensity? Are you lacking consistency because you're pushing it too hard? If you're pushing it too hard, I believe the answer probably is going to be yes. I would love to see you make the breakthroughs that I've been able to see, not only in myself, but the athletes that I'm working with now, because they've been able to get uh, their emotions out of the way and uh, come to the sport with a more long-term approach to what they're trying to achieve. You don't have to run your marathon PB in six months' time. You can expand that window to a couple of years down the track, and when you get there strong, fit, and healthy, then you can start smashing PBs for a couple of years. But get there strong, fit, and healthy first. Don't rush the process. 
Would absolutely love to hear your thoughts on this. As always, uh, for all of you who are reviewing the podcast, means so much. It really helps the podcast rankings go up, which just means the podcast gets recommended to more people. So if you are a fan of the show, would love to know about your favorite episode, would appreciate a five-star review, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it else is that you listen. Remember, if I can be of any help to you and guidance with technique, with coaching, or with questions that you've got about the camps, reach out to me. Happy training. Good luck with this. I hope this uh, strikes uh, as much of a chord with you as it did with me. And I'll see you all here again next week. Uh, We'll be back to our usual interviews then. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Relaxed Running Podcast. Don't forget, if you're interested in finding out more about the programs and services we offer at Relaxed Running, jump across to relaxedrunning.com slash get started. There you'll find links to the personal coaching option, regardless of where you're at in your running journey, whether you're brand new and relatively unfit, or you've been at the sport for a while and you're looking at refining your running performance. We've got options that are tailored to serve you for where you're at. If you'd like to jump on board for a free Zoom call to discuss whether or not we might be a good fit for each other, make sure you hit the personal coaching tab. If you're interested in getting access to a more general training program, we offer one-time training programs from the 5K all the way through to the marathon, from beginner, intermediate, through to advanced. Beyond that, we also offer technique analysis where we can get footage of you running from a variety of different angles at a variety of different speeds and pinpoint exactly where there's inefficiencies or tension in your running technique. I also mentioned that we offer pre-season running programs for athletes in running-based sports. So make sure if you're an athlete from a running-based sport like field hockey or soccer, AFL or basketball, you could do with some guidance for either yourself as an individual or the team that you coach. Get in touch and find out how it is that we can structure that training program to serve you or your team. You can keep in touch with Relax Running over at relaxrunning.com. We're also on Instagram and YouTube. If you like to watch your podcast episodes rather than listen to them, every one of these episodes is posted over at the Relax Running YouTube page. Would so appreciate any reviews and comments that you guys have for this particular episode. If you've been around for a while, you're enjoying these episodes, the best way that we can get this to more people is jumping on board and leaving a rating and a review. That's enough from me today, but hopefully I'll see you back here again next week.